This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. It's your buddy, Mark Rako. I'm here, uh, one of your hosts. And, of course, with me also is Elsie. Hey, Elsie. Hi. Happy New Year. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> it's 2021. We've left 2020 behind. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, because, you know, 24 hours will change everything. That's, that's right. Well, uh, not much time has passed uh, with the uh, with the new year, but uh, uh, a lot of time has passed since we've recorded some of our last episodes. And uh, we've got more coming up, but we thought maybe a nice surprise so we don't miss a week with you is uh, to share some some stuff from the way back machine, uh, maybe a few episodes from funny people talking, but also you may remember that funny people talking is a reboot of our old show monkey radio. And, uh, I thought it might be fun, Elsie, to share, a, a, an old, old episode of monkey radio when we had the, uh, the great comedian, the improv comedian, Brad Sherwood of, uh, whose line is it anyway, fame. Uh, so this was uh, me and you, and our a dog named Boo, <laughs> and, our, and our our old co-host uh, Ben Rose, uh, with an old episode of Monkey Radio. Uh, so, uh, what what do you think, Elsie? Should we share that and just kind of uh, enjoy some good old times? Sure. We'll call it a uh, an audio band aid for until we have brand new content. Okay. It's brand new to you. You know what I mean? Like, like a rental. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Uh, anyway, this is a this is an episode of Monkey Radio with Mark and Elsie, really, uh, with uh, my uh, former co-host Ben Rose, who you may have heard as a guest host on this show, a funny people talking. But this is Monkey Radio with our guest Brad Sherwood. Uh, and uh, you know, I apologize the uh, audio quality when we were doing this show a long time ago. Uh, gosh, it's got to be like eight years ago. Uh, is, is maybe not up to the standards of funny people talking, but I hope you enjoy it anyway. The technology was different eight years ago. I'm pretty sure, like you know, when you listen to Ed Sullivan or Johnny Carson or whatever, you know, it's a long time ago. Stuff changes, so it's cool. It's the content that counts. Here is Monkey Radio. Kind of radio swings through the trees, has fleas and dirt on its knees. Monkey radio, yeah, monkey radio. What kind of radio in charge of the world would give a banana to every boy and girl? Monkey radio, <laughs> monkey radio, with funky Elsie and monkey Mark. I'd rather walk through Central Park in the dark than listen to one transmission of monkey radio. That's just simply not true. They sure work hard, don't they, Barney? Yeah. I hate to see them work so hard. Yeah, me too. Um, let's go around back where we can't see them. Hello? I'm about to do you a big favor. From the Monkey Radio Studio in New York City. And with more than 350,000 downloads worldwide, this is Monkey Radio! I'm gonna make a list, I'm gonna be a I'm gonna live for it. So proud of it, just wanna get it. 
Welcome to the show, my fellow monkeys. Today, we are literally making it up as we go along. A huge show today. We'll catch up on what's going on. What is happening? And the, re- <laughs> and the return of one of our most unpredictable games. If I was in charge of the world! If I was in charge of the world. It's a great game. Ben has never played it. He will today. I'm a virgin. I know. Also returning, apparently back for more punishment. Remember the Manchi movie review? I do. That couple from the Teacup Falls Gazette, husband and wife movie reviewer as well. They have begged us, Ben, for a second chance after they kind of... Got out of hand in their first and only appearance on the show. They want another go at it. So we're giving them a second chance on our show. They'll be here to review another film. Let's hope it goes better this time. Let's. And we are super honored to have a comedy hero on the show today. Yes, edit comedy hero. Our guest is most known for his seasons on both the UK and US versions of Whose Line Is It Anyway? He's made over a hundred appearances, Ben, on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. He's been on The Sopranos. We'll ask him about that. Countless game shows. He's been a guest on Larry King Live and even performed at the Radio and Television Correspondence Dinner in Washington. And now is touring the country with Colin Mockery in their two-man improv show it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Brad Sherwood. Bam! Wow. We will also have an end of show food. Elsie will share something for the stomach and for the soul. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what I have to say. This is all on one show. What a value. Can you believe it? Make sure to follow us on Instagram at funnypeopletalking. And Elsie at Elsie the Producer. And please, for the love of all that is holy, subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you. Okay, before we get started... Anything up? What's going on? Well, let's see. What isn't going on? I was going to take a cooking class, and then I decided not to do it. Why? I don't know. I lost interest. Okay. That That's that's the latest. What was motivating you to take a cooking class? More than, you know, I just, I make a hell of a bowl of cereal. I thought I'd expand outside of that. <laughs> but then I thought, why? Yeah. Yeah. So that's recent, and that's that's kind of So that's it. kind of a non-story. Well, I thought it would, yeah. I was going to do something and I didn't. It's, it's, it's like uh, uh, Stephen Wright has a joke, you know, uh, the other day, uh, oh, that that was not me or something like that. He mm-hmm. says, like, oh, yesterday, oh, yeah, that wasn't me. You yeah. Know, mm-hmm. Basically, it's a, uh, same thing. Kind of a waste of time at the end of the day. You? I love that. It totally put me on the spot. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you anything. How about you? You tell me stuff. Hmm. Uh, I would say that probably the biggest thing for me is I have realized that in my apartment, we are surrounded by people who make noise. Hmm. Upstairs, we have the hammers, Okay, which is strange because I believe that, well, let me start. Next door, we've got a drummer. He drum, he's a nice guy, drum, drums from his closet. Across the hall, we have uh, a strange couple who have banshee screaming children. Uh, and then next door, we have a couple of uh, gentlemen who live together who also scream but differently. 
I see. Uh, and what I mean by that is in arguments, just ah, to clarify. I know, and, I understand. Uh, and, then, uh, and then upstairs we have the Hammerers, as I was saying. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the movie with Michael Keaton, Pacific Heights? Long time ago. Okay. They're, in this movie... Melanie Griffith and uh, Michael Keaton's in it. And Michael Keaton is, is a villain, and he rents this apartment from this couple in San Francisco, I think. Hmm. And uh, he uh, never really lets them in his place, and it was a beautiful apartment he moves into. And then one day, she goes, she, they always hear this hammering and sawing and drilling, and they wonder what's going on. And one day she gets in there, and everything has been destroyed in the apartment, and they've completely dismantled the entire thing. So, hmm. upstairs... The people upstairs are constantly hammering things and making noise. And I really want to go up there and look inside and see what strange, cavern, weird, dismantled, odd, silence of the lambs sort of lair they have created, you know, allegedly. See what's afoot. Afoot. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see afoot. Touché. That's what my fear is. I may walk in and there will be an assortment of feet, feet with no bodies attached. That mm. could be. Hate when that happens. I know. Uh, so, by the way, before we get to Brad Sherwood, yeah, and before we get to the Man She movie review, yeah, and before we get to end of show food, yeah, I would like to unearth, as I mentioned in our intro. A game that we've played before that you've never played. Oh, yes. It is called If I Was in Charge of the World. Go on. Now, one of the rules of the game is that when you say that phrase, you must say it like this. If I was in charge of the world! Okay. Okay? That's important. That's a rule. And essentially, the other person gives you a real-life problem mm-hmm. that exists. And then what you have to do is, because you're in charge of the world, you really can pretty much do anything to solve that problem. There's no rules, no hindrances. And, uh, and you, what would you do to eradicate the world from that horrible scourge? Okay. Want to play? Let's play. All right. So how about this? I'll show you how it's done. Sounds good. In my masterful manner. Right. And, uh, and then you can go. Okay. So give me a real-life problem that you would like to see eradicated or that is a problem for you, and I will tell you how I would solve it. Let's go with traffic. Traffic. Yeah. If I was in charge of the world, I would solve the problem of traffic in the following manner. Hmm. The first thing that I would do is I would assemble all of the best scientists in the world and I would uh, have them create a remote control guidance system that tuned into the frequencies of the brains of birds. And that would allow them to manipulate the flight patterns of all birds in the world, thus assembling them into a tremendous and giant flock that could travel together as in an incredible mass of flying flesh and and feathers and wings. Right. Uh, and what I would then do is bring this bird giant flock radio controlled mass over highly trafficked areas and then create a pulse into those birds' brains, triggering the release simultaneously 
of the digested remnants of what the, all those birds have eaten over. Okay. Thus, eating instantaneously into the metal and paint of countless vehicles. Wow. Consequently dissolving them mm-hmm. because of the sheer mass. Right. And and then uh, that would clear the way for other traffic. I understand there'd be a certain amount of, um, you know, uh, uh, loss, you know, uh, casualties. What do they call that? Uh, collateral damage. Okay. But uh, I think, you know, for open traffic ways, I think that is a, a reasonable loss. Then once I've done that, just to kind of round out the end of the, the plan, uh, I would uh, use that same technology to mobilize all of the largest animals in the world, such as elephants. And they would basically travel the the throughways, the, the travel ways, the roadways, and trample all of that remaining metal so that it was so flat that not only did it get all this old cars out of the way that we had destroyed, right. but it would actually create a shiny, slippery metal surface that would allow other cars to travel at a higher rate of speed. Right. Kind of adding another level to the, the traffic pattern and, and the speed that things would go along. That's that's what I would do about traffic. And I was in charge of the world! Wow. A lot about that. <laughs> that was really kind of off the off the cuff, but, okay. you know, making it up as I go along. Yeah. So there you go. That's what I would do. All right. So so let's let's find out what you would do if you were in charge of the world. Okay. I think one of the problems that... Actually, I'm going to bring this up. Here we go. Have you heard about the three plus or two plus million children that are doing cage matches? No, but that sounds amazing. There are millions of children that are competitive. Competitively doing organized cage matches as part of basically Little League cage matching. Where is this happening? It's been in the news. Fantastic. Okay. I actually personally, I like cool stuff and that, that intrigues me. Right. But I, I'm going to be candid with you and very serious. Please. I, I actually kind of consider that a bit of child abuse. No, no, no. I, no, I really do. Because these kids are beating the crap out of each other while they're still developing and growing. Hmm. And I really think that that is damaging to them. Not so much mentally as physically. And I'm not a doctor. I'm just exhibiting an opinion. Where are the parents is the question. I don't. So, no, they're watching. They're like the, oh. the, the they're, they're the, you know, they're the, the, the parents in the stands. They're I the gotcha. ones paying for the kids to do all this. Um, okay. okay, so think what you will about it, but you are now in the position of having to eradicate this issue. If I was in charge of the world, I would find the parents who were supporting this. I put them. I put them all in a camp, <laughs> a fighting camp, and I would tell them that if they didn't, and when they got into the match, you know, they'd each go to their respected teams. But when they went to the ring, I'd say whoever wins, and by winning you have to kill the other person. Whoever Ooh. wins has gets to go to rehab work 
or something. And why not both? <laughs> That's your prize? <laughs> right. If you win, if you stay alive, you get to go to rehab. Right. Which at the end just turns out to be a large cult. But we'll get there. Okay. So why not both? Why not save both? Because it's too much money for the government. So we're not going to do that. We're just going to save one. So it's a death match mm. for the parents mm-hmm. because they're so stupid. Mm-hmm. And this is what they get. Mm-hmm. Back to the cult, which is really what this is all about. So once all these victors come out, they they go through a couple classes. And never mind where the children are during this. It's really not important. They're not the point. The parents are the point. So what I would do is I would make them take classes to better educate themselves. And if they were just complete retards, throw them into a large pit of snakes. And, and, and just let that happen. You know, I liked Fight Club. It wasn't a bad movie. No, I love that movie. So I don't think it's a horrible thing to to ask to take out those people who are just doing harm. If they're not doing any good for humanity, what's the point? If, in, in this circumstance. So your thought process, sorry to interrupt your story, but your your thought process is if you're willing to have your kids duke it out, you should be willing to duke it out too. Yeah. Well, you know, put your money where your mouth is. You know, if you're going to be that stupid. Then, you know, the mm-hmm. most ridiculous thing you, is what you should do to survive. Right. You know? It's just like these beauty pageants. Oh, I know. The, the moms who do that. I, I don't get that. I just don't understand that. You know what's interesting is it's been my observation that most of these moms are not moms I would have pictured in a beauty pageant. Right. Yeah, I know not, what you mean. Not one that I would appreciate. You know. They all look so odd. They're all just witches. Mm. They're witches. So that's what you would do about uh, child cage matches. Yeah, off the cuff. Very nice. Yeah. Well, that was a good version of. If I was in charge of the world. Very nice, man. Indeed. We'll have to do that again. Revisit that sometime. We will. Uh, Before we get to Brad Sherwood, our celebrity guest today, we had a movie reviewer. Oh yes. A couple, Mm -hmm. uh, married couple, uh, movie reviewers. And uh, the Manshi movie reviewers from mm-hmm. Teacup Falls Gazette. Right. And uh, went a little weird. A tad askew. A little askew. Yeah. Uh, but they have felt bad about that and begged to come back on. Okay. We're not going to stand in the way of progress and marital bliss. Absolutely not. Why not? Why not? So we're going to have them back. And uh, let's bring them on. All right. Here they are. Here we go. Manshi Movie Reviews. That's us. That's us. <laughs> Manshi Movie Reviews. So uh, it's Monkey Radio calling, if you didn't guess. Yeah. Oh, you popped up. Yeah, we have you in our uh, in our phone book there on oh, the computer. That's good. Uh, so uh, welcome back to Monkey Radio. I know you had... Uh, Emailed us and uh, indicated that uh, you weren't happy with how things went last time. So, yeah, yeah. we we want to apologize for that. Very sorry. Tell tell us more about that. Yeah, tell us more about your thoughts on that. We were we were going through a challenging time in our marriage. Bit of a rough patch. Bit of a rough patch. We. You know, yeah. we've been married for a long time. Mm-hmm. We work together. We yep. have the same friends. Share a car. Yeah, so it, it got a little <laughs> stressful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but at the urging of our therapist, we went uh, away for a couple's retreat. 
and it was a huge success. Oh, very great success! Yes, really. Congratulations! That's thank great. Well, you. thank you. We're feeling we're feeling fantastic, fantastic about it. Wow! All right. Well, then we're willing to give it another go round. Why don't you uh, tell us what you uh, you've got to share today? Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Because uh, so sharing is good. Yeah. 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 Yes. yes <laughs> That's what our therapist says. <laughs> but not oversharing. Not too much. <laughs> no. Okay. So we recently went to see the uh, the zombie dark comedy, or as I like to call it, the zomedy. Warm bodies. So the the um. The opening, the opening credits, and Were and and exquisite, and the and the music, in the, in the first, uh, in the first couple of minutes, the the screen opens up and it's time for a movie, movie to, start. to start, and there's and there's music, right, and 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 uh, and, and, and and credits, are, and then and, they go away, and then and there's. Then there's a, Exposition and a scene, very scenic scene yeah, in in the in the movie in the and beginning then, of the, the movie. Be- and it's and there's music and it's and um this this song, I'm sorry, uh, excuse me for interrupting, folks. This this sounds mm-hmm. very uh, I don't know, rather unspecific to me. Uh, well, um, well, we we did certainly see the movie. We well we, we no, that's, the- unti- that's not entirely. true. True. We we, we we went to the theater. We went to the theater. <laughs> we we purchased the tickets. Yep. Uh we went into the into the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh found um, a nice seat in the back of the theater. Yep. And um and um it it was dark. It was dark. Very dark in that theater. Uh, and, uh-huh. and and the title of the movie is, is Warm Bodies and, and Griffin uh made made a made a joke about that and um <laughs> And we, um, what we were, we ended up, uh, well, we were asked to leave mm. the, the, the theater. So we didn't actually uh, get to, to see the movie. Right. And- wait, wait a minute. Let, let me back up here. You've come back on our show to do a movie review. Uh, we've given you that platform, mm-hmm. but it's for a movie that you technically have not completely seen. Well, well this, this is the thing. If you technically, technically that's correct. maybe... The full, from the- but however, we this unfortunate uh, event caused us to 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 spend more time at home yeah, and catch up on films that we hadn't seen, seen. but we did see. We have watched um, uh, some movies now. Um, one such movie is uh, a classic, Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. The incomparable Julia Roberts. Oh, okay. oh sorry. One more time. <laughs> I just, hold on. Hold on, Sylvie and Griffin. Wait. So, so you, you come on to do a movie review, which is usually contains the basic protocol of having actually seen the movie, but you haven't seen it. So now what you're going to do is you're going to review a movie that came out decades ago? What? Well, it's, it was, it's new to... To us. It was we hmm. rediscovered it, right? As, and it's a fresh perspective on, on a classic a film. Classic tale. All right. Well, we've 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 already said you're going to be on the show. We've already announced it. Uh, you're here now, so I guess you just go ahead with whatever material you've prepared, and let's let's just do that. Okay. Well, uh, well, prepared is a. <laughs> 
me. It's, I mean, we, 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 we saw them. Well, okay. It was. Let's just say. Um, yeah. It was, it was an interesting movie. I, I, you know, some critics called it a modern day Cinderella story, but I, I'm a little skeptical. I would of that have to review. disagree. I, you know, you know who was the highlight of the film for me? Mm. Jason Alexander, ah, yes. known as Seinfeld's George Costanza. Mm-hmm. He played uh, the creepy coworker of Richard Gere, and he was so believable. Hated him. I hated him as a as a character, as a person. I I, I don't, don't even. I can't watch Seinfeld. Anymore. I haven't. I will not watch that show no. anymore. Totally changed. Yeah. the way I feel. I don't know who the real Jason Alexander is. I don't. He's a monster. anymore. And conversely, mm. I did not believe Julia Roberts to be a lady of the night. N- neither do I. No. And um, as wonderful of an actor as she is, it was hard to believe that she could be a lady of the night because, um, well, I've driven by several ladies of the night and uh, none of none of them look like Julia Roberts. That's that's true. They don't. No. Most of them are pretty weathered, pretty weathered individuals. But the movie itself was a, a quaint little. I don't want to say coming of age. It, it just was a. It was. You know, she's she doesn't have the best life, and then uh, she gets lucky. Yeah, and you know, so to speak. <laughs> 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 Uh, and who doesn't love a film that is set in New York City? Oh. Right? Yes. Wonderful. What With a the wonderful buildings place. and the, the homeless people. And the park. They have a beautiful yeah. park yeah. in the middle of the city. Yeah. Oh, I, ch- I wouldn't choose to pursue a long-term relationship with uh, someone in that profession, but no. that's just me. No judgment. Right. And I, I understand Richard Gere, was a, he was a high-powered uh, man as well. Probably... Very busy, not a lot of time to spend um, or to commit to a relationship. So maybe, maybe it'll work. Maybe yeah. you know, who are we to judge? I think they should make a sequel. Pretty Woman too. Yeah, back and better than ever. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can share their family. They have a house in the Hamptons. Right, and and they have yeah, their children are, are going off to college, and and sort of now they're reconnecting now again for a third time. And and like our our therapist taught us is you know you need to take time for for yourselves to cultivate your relationship. And, you know, if Julia and Richard are going to make it, I think that's what they need to do. They need to give them. And everyone loves a second chance. And that's why we're so grateful that you have given us one. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Well, uh, that is definitely the most interesting movie review I've ever heard. Kind of, you know, after the fact, it's not really a Monday morning quarterbacking. It's more like a next decade quarterbacking, but uh, it is interesting to look back at old, you know, material that you really never saw this before. No, 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 no. no I just had no, no interest. No I, interest. I never wanted to to see. I was. I had heard some chatter about mm-hmm. Julia Roberts. Didn't but, really know. Yeah, she I, had that smile. I knew with the she teeth, had a, with the, yeah, she and the had hair, very teethy. Yeah, I just um, didn't. Um, no, no it wasn't desire. Something, no, it wasn't not, something... not in the queue. No. Okay. Uh, but you know, now now we are once our. Uh, our ban is lifted from, from the Regal the, Cinema in Harrison. Um, we are going to be back in there uh, looking at movies, you know, in the here and now. Right. Watching matinees pro- most likely. Uh, will be- 
Great. Yeah, that's, that's, that's nice. And, you know, when, when you can't go to the movies, if they don't let you in, you know, always stay home and take another look at movies like Godfather or Apocalypse Wait, Now. Or- Godfather? The Godfather? That, that sounds interesting. Is that what, is that, is Robert De Niro in there? Is that, is that a De Niro? Really? You, you, you have not seen The Godfather either? Uh, I have not no, seen you know, My Godfather. I just Godfather. did not fit into oh, the schedule. God. <laughs> and just when it came out, I, I heard there was some violence. Yeah, and who has three straight hours to spend uh, watching a movie? It, it's a long. It's a long commitment. We did see Turner and Hooch. Oh, <laughs> what a film! Now, I I was never a big fan of animal actors, but it, this oh. changed my whole perspective on it. Now, which did you prefer, Turner and Hooch or Canine with Jim Belushi? Oh, tough one. Mm, mm. Oh, that is a thought. That is a, a thinker. That's a, a thought provoker. Provocative. Mm. Provocative. Prov- we'll have to give that we'll one some to thought. Give that one a shot. And if, if we're gonna we're gonna throw more dogs in the mix, let's talk about Beethoven. Oh, oh. what a large, wonderful, family yeah. friendly film mm. that is. If that's what you're going for. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I think there might be a yet another Beethoven sequel coming out. <gasps> You shut your mouth. I, if you're lying, may you be struck by lightning. Well, I'll, I'll try to watch out, but I, I think uh, I'll, I'll try to let you know about that, folks. And Please, please do. do. Send us yeah. a letter. Just You not seem to be Saturday. right in the know. I'm you excited. Teacup Falls is a small town, so sometimes we miss out on, yeah. on the news. Well, I do live in New York City, and this is the mecca of information Ooh. for things like that. So, you know. you, Do you live near where Pretty Woman was filmed? Have you? Do you know? Have you Julie? been there? Have you seen it? Mm, you know that's such a tough one. I, I really, I wouldn't want to give you the wrong information. So okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay, 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 okay. All right. Well, uh, Sylvia and Griffin Plotmouth, everybody from the Teacup Falls Gazette and uh, with the Manchi Movie Review, and thanks so much for coming back on the show and giving us a well, well kind of a look back at a at a classic film and uh, new for you. Certainly yes. uh, exciting for us, and who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe we'll get a chance to have you come back in the future, and you can help us take a look back at another film new to you. Oh, that oh, would be thank you so much. We would be honored. All right. Well, uh, you two keep uh, you know working on things. Valentine's Day's coming up, and oh, oh yes, yes, we know. <laughs> <laughs> big plans. Big plans. <laughs> big plans. What are you guys doing? Um, spending some more time, time at home, home, reconnecting. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Very nice. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show, both of you. Great to have you. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. Have a happy Valentine's Day. Oh, you, you too. too. Thank you so much. All right. Manchi Movie Reviews, everyone. Sylvia and Griffin Plotmouth back again. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a good one. This has been Manchi Movie Reviews. All right. That was, uh, well, it was different. I learned not what I, I didn't learn anything. No. No. I don't. I don't know if they did. No, I feel stupider now <laughs> than I did before. <laughs> That's not progress. No, no. All right. Well, um, we'll sort of play having them back by ear. I think. Yeah. 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 Maybe when they're on their meds. <laughs> okay. So a very exciting time now. Our interview. In case you're wondering, we're basically the Jar Jar Binks of podcasts. This is Funny People Talking. 
Sherwood. What can we say about this guy? Whose line is it anyway? L.A. Law. The Tonight Show. Lots of game shows. Now touring the country with Colin Mockery and their two-man improv show. We are absolutely tickled and delighted to bring to the show our guest, Brad Sherwood. You remember him from the U.K. and U.S. versions of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And now he is on Monkey Radio with Mark Elsie. Do we have Brad on the phone? We do. Ben, here we go. Here we go. Brad Sherwood, welcome to Monkey Radio. Thank you so much. Brad, let me, uh, let me, let me start right out of the shoot and tell you that I am a uh, rabid fan. Uh, having uh, Both Ben and I have, have done a, a lot of improv and, uh, uh, you know, in some cases, semi-mildly professionally. But you are definitely one of the guys that I have looked to and really respected your work. So to have you on the show is actually kind of a personal honor for me. Uh, and my question is, let's start right off with the bat. As an improver, which is, I think, the thing that you are most known for is doing improv comedy. Would you say that's a fair, fair assessment? I would say that's very fair. I oh. think I've you know, successfully failed at just about everything else, and this is the one thing I continue to be paid at. So, yes. <laughs> it's crazy, I know, but it's nice to know that anything is possible. So, uh, uh, anyway, all, all kidding aside, here's a question right out of the shoot. Uh, what kind of an improv moment, a moment when you're doing the comedy, most excites you? Kind of a serious question. When when do you get the most jazzed and say, "Man, I am having fun. I love doing this." Uh, I, I think when I'm, uh, I, I love to do the musical stuff uh, because you have to rhyme and make it sound good. Uh, I, I think I'm most jazzed though when I'm playing scared and playing as fast as can be. There's something kind of fun about the having your brain in that roller coaster zone where you're going really quickly and you don't know which way things are going to turn and the adrenaline of being that scared i think is far more invigorating if you truly love it i think there are a lot of people that play a little scared and try to hedge their bets and go to the well and do stuff they've done before but i know that colin and i are always trying to change things up so we like it when we have no idea what's going to happen is is part of the charge for you trying to trip colin up Absolutely. I think we're constantly – it's sort of a combo of trying to trip him up, put him in a tight space, and make him laugh at the same time. So we're constantly doing that to each other. I've made the analogy in the past that uh, doing an improv scene is kind of like building a sandcastle and having a snowball fight at the same time. Because you, you have this playful adversarial aspect, but you are working together on this piece of art. I love that. All right, so let's back up. Let's go back in time, all the way back. So your first, if I understand correctly, your first technical professional acting gig uh, of any note was you were a regular on L.A. Law. Yes. Wow. I, I was really surprised to read that. What was it like for you? I'm still surprised. <laughs> what, what was it like for you, Brad, uh, Walking onto that set the first day and saying, my God, this is actually part of my life. You know, what was it like getting that call and then going to that moment in your life and, and, and the vision forward that you had for yourself? Well, it was, it was pretty surreal. I mean, I had watched that show when I was in college, uh, so, and it was, you know, one of the biggest dramas on TV. And so to, 
you know, stumble onto it and actually be hired for an undetermined number of episodes that turned out to be six, uh, it, it was crazy, you know. I mean, mostly I was focusing on comedy, but I would go out on whatever audition my agents could get me. And I had actually gone out on an audition to be one of the junior lawyers on the show. Uh-huh. But, you know, at that time, I looked like I was 12. And I think they they enjoyed the humor and novelty of me pretending to be, like, an attorney in my little suit. It was kind of like, you know, watching Oliver Twist you know, pretend to be a, a preacher or something. It was just kind of surreal. And uh, so they ended up giving me a, a job as a character that was more plausible for me, which was to be the, the, the nanny of Michael Tucker and Jill Arkenberry. So. Now, you've been on more than 100 uh, episodes of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno in one way or another. Yes, when he first started out, the, the very first few weeks that he started on the show, taking over for Johnny, uh, they, they wanted to do sketches, and I started doing sketches and playing characters, and basically I was, there was a time when I was basically on the show every day of the week, and they were writing sketches, and I would be sort of the, the mighty Carson player, but it was the mighty Leno player at that point. Uh, and uh, I played his valet for a while. I was his personal British butler. And then I would come on the show when there was, there was topical stuff. I'd be dressed like Attorney General Janet Reno and all that kind of stuff. So it was just all these bits, odds and ends. You know, sometimes it would just be a video segment that he would throw to during the uh, monologue, or sometimes it was a full-fledged sketch. And it was, it was really fun. So you've and, – and then another thing, and I'm kind of going somewhere with this. You, you, I understand you were uh, a part of the last episode of The Sopranos. Yes, indirectly, I was. Uh, Colin and I performed for the Congressional Radio Correspondence Dinner one year. Uh, it was the, the year after Stephen Colbert went on and sort of eviscerated the uh, Republican Party and, and George Bush. <laughs> and uh, after that, I think everybody in Washington was sort of nervous as to what type of entertainment they hired. And they hired us, and we, we said, well, we, we're not political. We just do goofy stuff. So they're like, great, come on. And so we performed uh, for that. And, you know, the president was there and the Speaker of the House and uh, all the muckety-mucks were watching the thing. And we ended up uh, doing a make-a-rap, and we brought up Carl Rove uh, for it. And we did a rap with him and asked him a bunch of questions. And we did a rap of, with him being MC Rove. <laughs> it went viral and basically was on all the news outlets that night. And we ended up going on Larry King the next day. And, you know, basically every news outlet and uh, Letterman and Leno showed the clip of him jumping around. And so at the very last episode of Sopranos, uh, Tony and his son are sitting on the couch before they go off to dinner at the diner. And they're just channel surfing. And the little segment of Carl Rove jumping up and down doing MC Rove was uh, playing as they were channel surfing. And it was really surreal because I was just a total diehard uh, Sopranos fan my whole, you know, watching every season. So when I was, you know, obviously watching it that Sunday night, mm -hmm. practically live uh, as, as the, air, the show was airing, to see that little blurb that Colin and I had created that had become enough of a pop culture, you know, nugget of surrealism that it ended up in the finale was pretty weird i was on the show i was on the show my god i know that feeling so that's that's uh that's and then last part of this sort of built multi-dimensional question is 
when you were the only person from the LA auditions for Whose Line Is It Anyway that that made it on the show, as I understand it. And yeah, well, the year I auditioned. That's what I mean. Yeah. Right. So, how did they bill the audition? What were you? What was your understanding? What you were auditioning for? Well, I just knew. I knew I was auditioning for Whose Line. Um, they. I had seen the show because it was already on in England. Ah, okay. I, I was auditioning for the English version, uh, but it, it had been on for several seasons. And Ryan Styles told me that the producer was coming to town to look for new people for the show, so I should go and audition. So I did. And uh, basically, he, they, he ran us through a you know four or five hour uh, audition process of trying different games and doing different scenarios and this and that, while he whittled it down. And you know that he'd take a break every half hour and he'd let you know another half of the people go. And then you know it was so long and brutal. I had no idea whether I was going to get on the show or not. And so- then he got a, then I got a call and went to New York to shoot a couple of episodes. Uh, of the British version, and then the next year went to uh, London to shoot some more. Crazy ride. So you you started out. Now what what did you? St- I actually don't know this. How did you start out? I know there was LA Law, but did you start out in theater or doing stand up or as an aspiring actor in general? What was the the genesis? A little all of the above. I, I started doing theater when I was eight. So uh, I've been in school plays and you know theater productions uh, since. Since I was a little kid, and continued all up through all my grade school, high school. Every year, I was doing productions of theater, and we would do you know three or four or five productions a year, even in in high school. So we had a pretty busy schedule. And then I went to school for acting in college, and then moved straight out to LA to try and make it. So your vision for yourself, to some degree, was to be a movie star, or TV star, or, or something like that. Yeah, it always starts as, you know, movie star, and then it goes to, uh, very quickly to, gosh, I hope I get on a commercial. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> when you first I, unload your car, you're yeah. going to be a blockbuster motion picture phenomenon, and then by the end of the day, you're just lucky if you get a voiceover job as a, a taco. So. <laughs> so now that you are at this point in your career, meaning you've had a you know, certain level of success, and you you've become a known quantity. Uh, you know, you're still a young guy. What what is your vision for yourself for the rest of your life? Are you going to be an improv comedian the rest of your life? Would you like to get away from that and try quote serious acting unquote? What 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 do you have on the horizon for yourself? I don't mean the typical question like what's next for Brad Sherwood, but what do you want to do that you haven't done? Um. I mean, I love doing improv, so I will never want to stop doing that. You know, I think Colin and I will be like uh, Harvey Corman and Tim Conway, yeah. but both still alive, uh, and hmm. you know, try and perform for as long as we can do it, uh, because we both love making people laugh, and I think we both, because we come from a live performance background, we both really like live performing better than any other form of it. I mean, you know. The, the spoils of war are great when you work in movies and TV, but the actual process is really mm-hmm. tedious compared to live performance. Mm-hmm. You know, you get instant feedback, um, and you don't just spend a bunch of time in your trailer waiting for them to call you and go, come back out and shoot another two-minute thing, and then wait another two hours and then shoot another two-minute thing. 
You know, it's kind of doing a TV show or a movie is kind of like uh, taking three months to do a jigsaw puzzle, and uh, you spend most of the time in your trailer, and every once in a while they'll come into your trailer, hand you a puzzle piece, tell you to go put it in the puzzle, and then you come back and sit and wait for another puzzle piece. That's very true. Uh-huh. I, I've always said to people doing film as a film actor myself, I, I've always said ninety-eight uh, percent of it is waiting and making sure you're ready for when they do come calling. Imagine if you were, uh, you know, making a rock album and you're the lead guitarist, and they bring you out and you just go, you know, you make three notes, and then you have to leave and go back <laughs> and then do something else, and then literally two hours later, then you do the next four notes. It's just, it's not creative. You know, for 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 the artistic temperament and ADD of what most creative people are, it it certainly doesn't satisfy that. You know, actually, though, that sounds like a very interesting improv game to me. The 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 idea of assembling some sort of song in that manner. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, with you and Colin being on the road, and I know that. Uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you both have, are married or have families. We both are as well. So how how do you how do you deal with being on the road like that for so long? And you know, what what do you enjoy about the road? And obviously, what gets at you? Well, we we've been fortunate enough. We've been now touring. We're going into our tenth year of touring together. Uh, we've been fortunate enough that uh, you know our busiest seasons are similar to a school teacher. We work mostly in the fall, winter, and spring. So we have the summers off. But because we don't go out like a band, we don't go out for three months and then do a, a, a series of cities. We mostly go out on the weekends. So we'll have a Friday, Saturday, or a Friday, Saturday, Sunday group of shows. And then we come home. And, you know, if we average on the in our busy months, we average, you know, three weekends a month. So we're still home a lot of the time. It's not like we don't get to be in our houses for extended periods of time. Just in a busy month, we might go out every weekend, and we'll be gone for three or four days, but we're still back for three days. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, and that's that's at most, you know, seven or eight months out of the year. So it's really not that bad compared to a rock band. Now, that's brutal. That is, that is brutal. You know, it's interesting. You keep comparing yourself to a rock band. Yes. Uh, we, one, one time we were at a place in New Jersey, and, we had a sound request, of, you know, because we, we were head mics and something. And uh, like, we asked a question, and the, the the sound guy said something like, "You're not the effing Rolling Stones." <laughs> and, and we were like, "Oh yeah, we know that. We're very well aware of it." That's why our sound requirements are so incredibly simple. Yes, two, micro- two microphones. That's it. And no chair at all. Yeah. yeah. Are you? Uh, uh, is there any part out there that you've auditioned for that you remember that uh, that just kills you that you didn't get? Not so much. I mean, no, I, I've always been a terrible auditioner, so I, I've never been I've put too much stock in thinking I'm going to get something. Uh, I, I tend to do a lot of hosting stuff. I prefer that when it comes to doing stuff besides improv. I like going out on hosting gigs for shows. Whatever, whatever kind of show. Mm-hmm. I just prefer it. Um, to acting. Gotcha. And and uh, to sort of uh, get close to winding it up here, what is uh you know we know the basic improv rules. You know you got to say yes and accept the offer of the other person and 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 things like that. But 
Is there anything that you've noticed in young improvers or the mistake that people make that that may not be as commonly uh, noted by people, but through your considerable experience, you've kind of realized is one of the bigger mistakes people make? I think it's important. You know, they say listening is important, but I don't think people listen truly enough. I think a lot of people are so busy sitting down at their improv typewriter in their head while the scene is going on to come up with something super clever that they don't make it organic and based on what they've just heard. And the audience likes to see the synthesis of hearing something, watching you hear it, and then react to it. Mm -hmm. And you don't look as clever if you're just sort of rattling off a bunch of stuff that's not organic to what's going on on stage. And I think a lot of people play scared when they improvise. They're afraid to not have something to say on stage, so they kind of go out there with a, a basket of stuff under their arm and start spewing it out really quick. And you can it looks like they're, they're planning. It looks like they aren't saying stuff in response to things. They're just saying stuff that they think is going to be funny. And yeah. That, that's where it doesn't read true to the audience. Whereas you can say something that, in theory, might not seem as funny uh, oh, certainly in the transcript of the script of written down of an improv night might not seem funny, but because it was so in the moment and organic from what was happening, it feels like it's brilliant to the audience because they see the journey your mind went on to get from step A to step B, and that journey is part of what's exciting, not just the final product of what was said. Wow. That's a... That's like a little master class there in, uh, in info. I, cl- clearly. Uh-huh. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you very much for that. Uh, uh, 20 years of interviews about improv. So, you know, I've, I've got to have come up with something profound by now. I know. I know. Did you have that in a, in a little uh, little piece of paper in your pocket just in case it came up? <laughs> no. That, that actually was a, a newly found way of saying that. An exclusive, Ben, an exclusive. Really? Uh, Well, speaking of exclusives, uh, kind of a favor to ask you, and maybe it's impossible, and it certainly puts you on the spot, but I really couldn't take advantage of having the incredible Brad Sherwood here if I didn't ask. Can you offer us any type of sort of scoop or exclusive piece of information about the experience of being in Whose Line Is in Any Way? that maybe isn't as known, uh, any anecdote or something that we could kind of throw out there and say, hey, Brad Sherwood offers us an exclusive story. Uh, Nothing immediately pops to mind, but I will say that I think a lot of viewers of Whose Line weren't fully, truly aware of how uh, secretive the producers were about keeping the suggestions from us. I think that the audience at home certainly never fully appreciated that. Like all the cards and things that Drew had, where he had little suggestions or ideas written down, with the you know as a starting point of the scene, we could never see those. And and the big props that they brought out for us, they literally had those hidden in a locked room in the TV studio where we wouldn't accidentally see them before they brought them to us while we were standing on the stage. They weren't like in a pile backstage where we could stand around and kind of catch a, a glimpse of them out of the corner of our eye and start thinking, oh, I got about 20 jokes with this. No, they would literally keep them hidden and hand them to us on stage. And, you know, that was, that was part of 
the, you know, the art of this was that we didn't want to cheat. But I don't think audiences realize that because there's so much artifice in television and film and this and that, uh, the way things are cheated and, you know, someone's driving a car, they're not really driving a car, they're being pulled by a trailer. But I think they don't realize that we were really told what was happening, then the camera would roll and we would start the scene. We didn't have a little pit stop to sit around hmm. and think about it. I love that. What, uh, I guess I was going to ask you, uh, they must have just gone crazy when one of you would go behind the desk and peek at Drew's cars then in, oh, in those, would, those rare moments. Wouldn't do that. They, 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 wouldn't, they wouldn't allow us to, but when they had writers rooms, if there was anything exposed in the writers rooms and we were wandering by to ask somebody a question, they were like, you can't come in here. And they would like all lay covering the stuff that was on the tables and stuff. They were very serious about it. You know, technically it really wouldn't have been a violation of standards and practices, but because Drew said it on the show that, you know, we don't know what's, what's mm-hmm. going on, we don't know the suggestion, mm-hmm. they wanted to hold true to that mm-hmm. so that no one could ever say, oh, they knew I saw Chip reading a card one time, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Now, when you guys were between takes uh, or between shows that day or whatever, did people kind of retire to themselves and get very quiet and then come out? I'll give you an example. When I was sh- uh, shooting a scene and Steve Martin was in it, I remember that he was very, very, very reserved and quiet and to himself between the scenes. And then he would come on, engineer it, and then and then be the crazy Steve Martin that he was, and then leave and get very quiet. And it kind of made me wonder, you know, how many wildly comedic people turn it off and then turn it on. What was it like for you guys? Most of us turn it off and turn it on in our real lives. Uh, you know, during the taping, we did, there was not time to go away because we would just run the game pretty much as straight through as we could. Uh, we would, on any given night, shoot like 20 or 23 games, and we needed about seven of them to work, but we usually got three episodes out of a taping. So they only would ever lose maybe one or two games out of an entire taping. Hmm. And uh, you know, we would just go straight into them. We would, just, we would finish, they'd laugh, and then if they'd move a chair, they'd move that back, and then Drew would say, okay, our next game is this. And then we'd keep going. Got it. In like two hours, two and a half hours. Got it. All right, well, uh, what can people expect from your one, uh, one man? Well, I don't know where that came from. Two-man improv show. An evening with Colin and Brad. When they come and see the show, what is happening? How is that experience maybe different than something they've seen before or the same? Well, it's, you know, the show is different every single time. Uh, Even places where we've gone every year, like Milwaukee, we sold out uh, this year in Milwaukee, and 75% of the audience had seen our show at least once, maybe three or four times, because we're making it up every time. So even if they see us play the sound effects game more than once, we're doing different occupations. We have different people on stage. you starting off with different suggestions. And uh, each time you're going to be entertained and the subject matter is going to be different. And I think that's what's fun. It's, it's one of the rare comedy shows where uh, even if the format stays similar, that the content is 100% different. All right. Well, you can see, folks, uh, an evening with Colin and Brad, along with our guests Brad Sherwood and Colin Mockery, great comic artists, improv extraordinaire. Uh, Next show is February 23rd, 
2013 at the Zeltirion in New Bedford, Mass. And then coming up April 4th at the Mayo Center in Morristown, New Jersey. And April 5th at the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank, New Jersey. Go to ColinAndBradShow.com for all the information, tour dates, and a peek behind the scenes. Uh, a lot of funny stuff on that site, actually. I really enjoyed watching all of your, uh, like some of the uh, the outtakes and so forth from giving all of the uh, the local spots and promotions. Oh, yes. So, all right. Well, uh, uh, Brad Sherwood, everybody, uh, thanks a lot for all of the very insightful stuff that you shared in the interview, Brad. And uh, now it is time for our game, which is called If I Was In Charge Of The World. And the way that this works is we give you a real-life problem and you have to share your very thoughtful and strange approach as to how you would solve this issue in your own personal way. If you were in charge of the world and could literally do anything that is possible. Okay. Without laws, you're in charge, man. So, uh, Ben, you're in charge of giving us the problem. Hmm. think I can handle that. All right, what is it? Let's see. How about we go with teeny boppers and their new trend music that I don't understand? All right. So teeny boppers and their new trend music that you don't understand, bubblegum music and all that. How is this terrible scourge on our earth? How would you deal with this in whatever way you choose if Brad Sherwood was in charge of the world? And by the way, the rule, forgive me, Brad. I don't mean to embarrass you, but you must play the game by saying, if I was in charge of the world, in exactly that way, that's one of the rules of the game. All right. So if you're up for it and willing to play, the floor is yours, sir. If I was in charge of the world, Kitty Bopper music would be eradicated. And this is how it would be eradicated, is I would not allow anyone to actually record an album until they were 37 years old. They would have to have life experience. They would have to be able to play a musical instrument. No one could just be singing anymore. You'd have to write your own music, have pain, experience, and uh, an instrument to play. Then all of the music would come from a sense of uh, trials and tribulations of having failed and succeeded in the world, having found love and been broken by it. Not, hey, look, I've got a Mercedes Benz and you've got a booty. Why don't you shake it? It's Friday, Friday. Oh, yes, it's Friday. No, I don't want to hear the musings of a 15-year-old girl and what she's going to do on a Saturday night hoping to get someone to buy her beer at the 7-Eleven. I have no interest in that. I want to see a grizzled old alcoholic write songs and play accordion. That's what would happen if I was in charge of the world. A, a, I cannot tell you the thrill it has given me to have you honor us by putting you on the spot and, and you taking and running with it. Thank you, Brad Sherwood, for being on the show. I'm very aroused. So uh, thanks for being on the show. Uh, everyone, go check out An Evening with Colin and Brad. Visit colinandbradshow.com. Check out all their dates. I guarantee you will be highly entertained. Thanks for being on the show, man. Absolutely. All right. Wow, what an interview, Brad Sherwood. Wow. <laughs> I mean, cool guy. What a day, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, this is one of those days I love having this show. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Uh, okay, so guess what time it is? I think I know. Tell me what time it is. End of show food. End of show food. Elsie, would you come in here, please? It's time for end of show food. She loves bacon, she's cantankerous, and her cat's in a jazz band. She's the producer, it's Elsie. Ah, hello, Elsie. Hello. How are you today? I'm okay. You're just okay today? Yes. What's the matter? I need my end of show food to give me a little pep. You do look a little green. I do not look green. You do look green. Not like not like Grinch green or Ublek green or Wicked Witch green. Just a little off. Are you feeling all right? I'm okay. You're okay. Okay. So what have you brought for us today for end of show food? Which is I how we shall be saying it today. We will brought speak in something. Can you speak in a British accent while we do this? No. So I brought a tasty treat like Uh, I always do. Yes, you do. And it is sweet, but it's also good for you. It's chocolate-covered ginger. No way. Chocolate-covered ginger. I can't believe it. That's pretty cool. So it's not only good for your your stomach. Right, because the the ginger ginger is good for your stomach, and it's coated in dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. Yes. And this looks like quality. So it's got those antioxidants and... Mm flavor we always to go enjoy chocolate and i do enjoy ginger actually I like really good, like spicy ginger ale real ginger ale yes me too i uh, like the real stuff yeah all right so so chocolate covered ginger mm-hmm. dark dark chocolate covered ginger yes all right so all right all right very interesting all right, so it looks kind of like a mint patty or something like that. Yeah, All right. but well, it's tasty. It's, it's different. It's not what you're expecting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Chocolate. Hmm. It's good. That's really good. I've had chocolate ginger before. I find it to be very refreshing. It's a good before uh, bed thing. Hmm. You know, and it calms you down, makes you feel warm inside. What can I tell you? Oh, and there's the ginger. Um, please, it didn't take you that long to discover the ginger. <laughs> yeah, but I like a little suspense. Not bad. I like that. That's a that's You know what my favorite thing to do with it is? Put it in the fridge for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Me then too. the chocolate's nice and crunchy. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it just makes it that much better. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll see Ben liked it too. Good. All right, another winner. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're, you're doing right? You're up. You're in a good role. Yes, ever since that anchovy stuffed olives debacle, <laughs> I've learned my lesson. Hey, you're the one that keeps bringing it up. We we buried that. I'm, I'm offended. Buried you asked me backyard to do that. Is what we did. <laughs> All right, thank you, Elsie. A very nice end of show food. I enjoyed that. Yay. Interesting. Mm. All right, so uh, that's our show for today. All right, great show we did. Uh, if I was in charge of the world, that's scary. I know, and we uh, had a great guest, Brad Sherwood, yes. on the show. Awesome, and uh, just, just a great show overall. I think, Ben, I'm satisfied. Good to have you with us. All right, uh, everybody, please go monkeyradio.info. Check out our Amazon page. Check out our animated shorts and Operation Shatner Face Stewart. Monkeyradio.info. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. We will see you next time on another Monkey Radio. Be safe out there. Peace. Bye-bye.
that's it? That's the end of the show? Boy, oh boy, what a crock. This was Funny People Talking. No portion of the content may be reproduced or published without the strict written permission of the producers. Connect with our show at Funny People Talking or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. I'm your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.